As I've already mentioned, the first of the stats are in regarding mortgage holders' ability to deal with the new and ugly increased mortgage interest rates. So far, so good. But these are only the first of the stats. Around half of the country's mortgage debt is due for refixing this year. That will increase the number of borrowers who face high interest debt. And it got me thinking about how much is too much profit if you are an essential entity. Is there too much or do you just have to let the market prevail? Can you do more harm than good by interfering? Joining me now is Massey University's Dr Claire Matthews, Associate Professor at the Massey University Business School. Good morning to you. Good morning, Kere. So when it comes, when you see the, the banks making good profits, not just not just their turnover, but good profits quarter by quarter, and you're facing a doubling of your mortgage interest repayments, it can seem unfair. Can they not adjust the interest rates according to the fact that they're good, sound financial health and they can afford to absorb a bit of the pain? Is that reasonable to expect that if it's an essential entity? Uh, well, the banks are looking at their interest rates all the time and mm. uh, are adjusting them. It's a matter of what do we, how do we define what is um, an appropriate level yeah. of profit for the banks. And we yeah. tend to focus on the dollar value. And when we look at the dollar value of the profits that they're making, absolutely, it's a huge number. Mm. But what we tend to forget is we are talking about very, very large organisations. So they have got assets. Um, I did a quick calculation as at... Uh, because the latest figures I've got available uh, for last year, yeah. um, but nearly $600 billion worth of assets. Yeah. So when you look at the total um, level of assets, the amount of profit that they're making is actually a very small proportion of that. And when you think of it in those terms, it actually is, seems like a really small amount of profit. So we have to look at it um, in terms of the size of the organisation, not just on the dollar value. Having said that, absolutely it's worthwhile looking at how much other banks actually making in terms of profit and is that reasonable. We have to remember that banks are taking on a significant amount of risk. Now, they have been very fortunate for the last 30-odd years. They have been accepting that risk and that risk hasn't actually been realised. So they've been fortunate. But we don't have to go back too far to see what can happen when banks do actually encounter that risk and they have losses and the potential impact of that. So we don't want banks to have a position where they actually end up losing money. So there's a very fine line to be made. I remember way back when, uh, when you because know, people would think investing in a bank you know, because they do have a responsibility to provide a dividend for their shareholders and you think, well, that's as safe as houses. But didn't a large number of high-profile investors in Lloyds Bank, some of them in New Zealand, go bankrupt when all of a sudden Lloyds had to call in all their investors because they'd faced a number of huge losses? Uh, Lloyd's is a slightly different one, and I think that might have been Lloyd's Insurance rather than Lloyd's Bank. Right. And it's a, sli- it's a slightly different situation because of the way Lloyd's Insurance operated. But um, Because normally once you've bought shares in an organisation, mm. um, they're, they're limited liability companies because your liability is limited to whatever you've paid for your shares. And as long as you're fully paid for your shares, which is what you've normally done, then yeah. you're not 
if they, if they have a loss, then you're not required to cover that. So the, the Lloyd situation is, yeah, I've put that okay. to the side. It's a kind of a different situation. Right. Um, so I was going to say, it's not just a one-way street where you invest in a bank and and all good things happen. Because we've seen the BNZ fail, was it twice or three times in, in the bank's history? Yeah, the bank, BNZ, uh, I think if you go back far enough, it might actually be three times. Yeah. But twice in more recent history. Um, and they have been bailed out by the government a couple of times, which is how the government ended up as owner of the bank um, back in the 80s before they sold it in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and um, banks have failed in the past. And we did see it to an extent with the finance companies. Okay, mm. they're not banks, but um, they had some, some, some substantial issues um, just. Uh, 15 years ago um, at the same time as the global financial crisis and so people did lose money then. We don't want to see that with the banks and the um, the dollar view involved with the banks um, is obviously a lot larger than was encountered with the finance companies. Are they a bit like um, the oil industry where we have to have a certain amount of petrol in reserve in the country to keep it going. Do the other banks required to have a certain amount of money there to ensure they don't fail? Um, absolutely. I wouldn't say it's to ensure that they don't fail, but it's to, um, in the event that they do fail, that there is funds available to um, ensure that everybody is reimbursed. So yes, there's quite substantial rules that the banks have, have to meet um, around the amount of capital that they have to have um, the reserves that they have to have in order to ensure that in the event of a failure that the risk of loss to depositors is relatively small. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the banks, there's been an argument that we need more banks, more competition, but economies of scale would indicate that we're just too small to attract more banks, more major banks here, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And if, if one of the banks, uh, one of the big banks decided that they wanted to sell, the chances are that they would have a lot of trouble finding a buyer. When the National Bank was being sold mm. by Lloyds back in 20 years ago, 2003, uh, it took a while before they found a purchaser and ANZ finally decided to make that purchase. Um, so the reality is if, for example, NAB decided that they were going to sell um, BNZ uh, because they didn't want to operate in New Zealand anymore, um, who would buy it? Um, arguably, you know, there would be some that would say, oh, well, Kiwi Bank could buy it. But for Kiwi Bank to buy the BNZ, it's, it's a much bigger organisation and to, the government would effectively be having to put capital in and it would be quite substantial mm. um, type of operation. Let me say, I'm not suggesting that the BNZ is on the market. Yeah. Um, I'm just yeah. using that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um so the reality is that it's unlikely that there's anybody dying to come to New Zealand and set up. Um, we do have other banks and the big banks. Um, we've got uh, Key Bank, we've got TSB, we've got SBS, we've got Heartland, uh, which are the key, oh, and co- Cooperative Bank, sorry, make sure I don't forget any of them, um, which are the, the, are the New Zealand-owned operators in the market. But they're so much smaller than the big banks. Um, and the reality is it would be, hard for them to grow because they need capital and it takes time to get that capital and they don't have easy access to bring it in without um, doing it from um, profits. So if we wanted more competition, the power is in the hands or the pockets of the consumer, we'd go to those smaller banks and entrust them with our funds? 
Absolutely. If, if we really believe that there's a problem with the bigger banks, then yeah, go to the smaller banks. There, there are other options available. Um, but the reality is, we also remember, you know, we don't like the big banks. We talk about the fact that they're Australian owned, but they've been here forever. Yeah. Um, you know, ANZ's been here since. I think 1840, Bank of New Zealand since about 1860, ASB's about 1850, um, and West about the same time. So they've all been here for, as I said, it's like forever, since New Zealand was a, um, the European uh, establishment of, in New Zealand was quite new. So they've, they've been here and part of that. So while they're Australian-owned, they are a fundamental part of the New Zealand economy and the New Zealand banking scene. Nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Dr. Claire Matthews, Associate Professor of the Massey University Business School.